man oh man guys i got a story to tell you a story about last night's game but not quite yet let's get to some voicemails yeah tim i'm with ray i don't know what the um the drama is about short rests you you know what you're getting into with 5e i would play it rules as written don't want to tinker with it too much and you can really hit the players hard or hit the characters hard probably not a good idea to hit the players hard but, <laughs> but it's been known <laughs> anyway anyway yeah um hit the characters hard they bounce back it makes for an epic heroic game if you don't want that just fall back to something like your um you know your old school rules and 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 play a different type of game but 5e is fine you just gotta set your sights right calling green spike bits giving some advice about short rest the drama about short rest calling is simple it sucks <laughs> i don't like them because they just make uh I don't mind the long rest. They make a little bit more sense to me, but the short rest, I just can't get behind. They're they're just a, a, a gimmick or a play to, to make the game a little bit easier on the players to recoup everything. I still can't buy. Uh, you get in a fight, you get hit by a giant axe from a uh, ogre, but if you take 10 minutes, you can recover that damage. It's just... I know I'm, I'm, I'm uh, arguing about you know like semantics and magical things and realism and that uh go in a fantasy game but i don't know why it, that one bugs me it always has even even when i was playing it and it was my advantage to my advantage i still thought it was a bullshit mechanic but uh but if i do run it oh absolutely they're going to be in there i'm not going to take them out because i don't know the game well enough to really fiddle with it too much and i don't have an issue with it you know um uh we'll play it as is Hey, Tim, it's Hobbs. Hey, man, keep doing what you're doing, first off. Second, you may be getting spikes because your backlog is being listened to. You're only looking at the the listeners of a single episode, your most recent one, when you first log into the app. And uh, it's very possible that maybe someone has went back and listened to a bunch of episodes or something to catch up. And so, you know, you got a 20 per a listen spike or something. That's what I would guess. When are we going to uh, do some solo with my man Valen? Just curious. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if I post on Facebook and put it in a bunch of different groups... I get way more engagement on Facebook, but I'm not sure I get more listens to the podcast in general. All right, buddy. See you. Hobbs, Jason, Screed, Random, the man, the myth, the legend that started most of this, Anchorite, stuff a little over a year ago. Uh, Yeah, keep on doing what I'm doing. Yeah, sure, why not? Keep on doing it. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, the spike, however, uh, where I took that into account, of course, about the, the backlog, the thing was, is, you know, it has that average play 
type of thing. Um, one of those numbers, I don't know, pops up. But when I saw the spike, I just kind of happened to look at that to see if my average plays went up, and, I, and they didn't. <laughs> so I got this giant spikes, but you would think that would cause the average plays to spike. But like I said, the algorithm for these things are jacked. I told Rob C. the other day not to pay attention to him, and I don't. You know, I, I'll look every once in a while to see um, about how many hits I'm getting on something, but if I got two and one of them was me, I would still be pushing that record button tomorrow anyhow just because how I am for that kind of stuff. As far as getting Valinan back into some solo play, I'd love to do that. Right now, times are crunchy, man. You know, you're, we're all kind of trying to skirt out some time or move some time around to get some games going. And, man, it's tough to do with everybody's schedule. Hell, I couldn't even get a couple guys together to do that uh, Adventurers Roundtable yet. We're going to – I might work on it. I might shorten it up and just maybe do one-on-ones. And instead of a roundtable, it'll be like a tea table or something like that. Thanks for calling in, Jason. Hey, Mandela Lawyer. Yeah, I don't. I didn't know there was a difference between, you know, the the rules that are in that starter box set, whether it be the Stranger Things one or the one that contained Fandolin, um, and any other introductory rules. So, if there's a sort of a basic rule set out there, other than that, I wasn't aware of it um, because that's pretty, the other one. That one is in the box set's pretty sparse. Doesn't have class information, race information. It pretty much just has what applies to the character sheet in front of you information, um, and you know, limited spells, all that shit. So. Yeah, if there's something else, I'll, I'll be gonna, I'm going to do a look for it, actually. <laughs> See if I can find it. So, later, man. Hey, man. I found what Colin was talking about. I like it. It cuts out all the bullshit stupid races in classes, right? And it just gets really, you know, back to basics. I kind of like that. Um, it's a decent setup. Uh, cuts a lot of spells out, too, which is, yeah, whatever. I mean, nobody does. You can always introduce spells later as a DM if you want them or you think they're cool, but it keeps just the basic kind of spells. So that's kind of slick. It looks like it really keeps everything else, though, um, except the back of the book. First 120 pages are, you know, player-related, and then the last is DM shit. Last third, maybe? So out of 180. So maybe 120 is player shit. Then the last third is monsters and whatnot, things like that. So, and they're a scaled-back version and, you know, just stat blocks and that kind of thing. So that's kind of cool. Less subscription, you know. It's a doable system. I mean, it could be used if I wish they would publish it. Honestly, they should put it into into two books. One for the DM, one for the player. Put it into a box. That was Joe. Joe the lawyer getting cut off on his own double messages there. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. I have the Stranger Things box set, and I will crack that puppy open here pretty soon and start leafing through it. Because the one that came in, came in the box set is actually pretty nice. Uh, so... I plan on grabbing that and uh, using that. And then, like, as far as the spells go, like you said, you can always introduce them later if, the, if uh, somebody wants a spell outside of that. Spells can always be treasure or uh, a thing to go hunting for. I like doing that with spells so they're not just, oh, you want to learn, you know, fireball, magic missile. Okay, well, you have it because it's in the book. Now, sometimes you got to go looking for that shit because... I'm thinking mages aren't that, you know, uh, like little kids who are like, oh, if you share this, I'll share that. You know, they're not like Pokemon cards or something like that. But who knows? Maybe they should be.
All right, guys, back to the next one. Hey, Tim, it's Dave Aldridge from Deeper Centile, just listening to your last podcast about demons and devils. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Actually brought back some memories for me. Uh, I mentioned in my last podcast that although I've been gaming, started with fighting fantasy in the mid-80s, uh, I didn't really get into Dungeons and Dragons until, until maybe third edition. And one of the reasons for that is that the games you get involved with sort of define themselves against Dungeons and Dragons. So I was playing White Wolf and Palladium. Story, big stories to be told about Palladium, what an eccentric publishing house that was. But I remembered another reason was that I was raised in an evangelical Christian family and my parents were unhappy about me playing D&D because they believed it would uh, open me up to demonic influence, uh, which is amusing when you think about it now. But uh, yeah, I remember it being a big thing at the time. Anyway, keep up the good work. Cheers, Tim. Thanks, Dave, for calling in. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was a different time in a way. You know, I will hesitantly use the word ignorant uh, a lot of times. I mean, we could use that for pretty much any era, but that back then when it was such an unknown thing and it was an outside uh, circle, unknown, you know, kids playing it in the, the, their basement. Oh, they must be up to no good. Whoa. Okay. Whatever. But uh, nowadays because it's popular and it's because, uh, you know, the people on, you know, in Hollywood play it and, and that actually they seem to go out of their way now to say they're associated with it. You know, it's, it's sort of like the new thing, you know, being a, a geek nerd is trending right now and has been for a while, but yeah, it's, it just seems like they're, they're going out of the way to make sure that they have that association with it. So who knows, uh, will it trend out? But I, I don't, hear or see the whole outrage about it anymore and maybe people have calmed down or uh they just decided they have you know they're more angry about more angry about other things to to target because dungeons and dragons isn't really that targetable right now i mean i know there's people out there trying to target the people within it now not so much the game system but actually the people within it because of various reasons most of them are self-serving and um self-righteous bullshit but they're allowed to do that they can they can do that just does but i don't have to pay attention to them either or give them my time and i don't so all right thank you and we have some more call in hello tim yeah, I think it was very much a clash of styles. I uh, I really wanted to give an atmosphere to the story, and I thought, you know what, this Strahd character sounds like he needs to be built up a bit because, you know, if you just turn up and he's there, then he's just like every other villain. But if he's creepy and if he's been dogging your heels and if he chose for you to come there, then, then he's interesting. But to each their own. Um, as far as balance goes, yeah, I'm starting to think that I'm going to just throw out the whole balancing mechanics uh, in general and see where that takes me because I've, um, yeah, I'm, well, it's no fun really trying to uh, balance out an encounter. And to me, making it balance, oh, I'll have to add another one. Uh, one moment. To me, it may be a bit ridiculous, but adding balance to an encounter turns it into a game rather than a story or an encounter or a um, you know a scene 
if I think that the story would be served by having, you know, 15 orcs uh, turn up and the party's third level, then I think 15 orcs are going to turn up and then what they choose to do after that is what's interesting. The problem that's presented, is you know, their solution is the interesting part. Um, I'm looking through 13th Age right now and seeing all the... Um, there is a really neat system for balancing encounters, but I'm going to throw it out the window and just go with what the story, what the encounter needs and see how that goes. Thanks, Tim. That was some gospel spoken by James. Yes, absolutely. That is... Uh, to me, some righteous words there about game balance. I mean, if you try to make things uh, balanced, it becomes like a video game, or and, and there's no sor- story served. One of the most difficult things in Dungeons and Dragons or any role-playing game is developing a villain over time because players want to kill the villain as soon as they see him. I mean, that's what they want to. And then if you have a powerful villain like Strahd, and it does, you know, they do attack him and they get killed, they get, sometimes they get pissed off because it's overpowered. Well, that's, I mean, what, James did a podcast uh, about trying to change the minds of his, I shouldn't say change the mind, try to introduce his group to a different style of play. And, uh, his group was originally very systematic, very let's clear out every dungeon, every every room, every closet, check every door, um, and lessen to the story and lessen to the role playing. And he tried to introduce these aspects in Cursed Strahd. And one of the first scenes he had is he had one of this really cool introduction. I thought it was done beautifully. But in the end, the paladin ended up getting killed because Strahd is Strahd. He's like this giant, powerful thing. And he snapped the the paladin's neck. And I guess his group revolted in a way because he ended up getting booted out of the group because of that. And while I don't think that would happen if I ran a game, you know, they might bitch and whine because he bitched and whine about raw grubs <laughs> but it's very difficult to introduce a powerful arch enemy that they will go over time and develop and and just have that one there it's it's not an easy task and you've got to have the party that can accept that kind of situation because if you do have a a group that once that balance they want to be able to basically do a frontal assault to everything they meet and I can't imagine how fucking boring that would be over time. Um, I mean, I'm going to go into my game last night. We didn't roll combat at all. It was fucking beautiful, man. It was so much fun. It, it, it served the story. It served the situation. It didn't serve combat. Combat is one small aspect. I guess it's not a small aspect. But it didn't serve that just that aspect of the game. There was so much more going on that uh, no one. I, I'll bet you none of the players even noticed that we didn't even. There was no to hit rolls. There was no damage rolls. There was no noise initiative. There was barely any rolls at all. Barely any rolls at all last night, and we had a blast. And I think what James said 
I mean, replay it again, guys, because what he said should be written down in the newest GM's guide, any GM's guide, because it, uh, uh, that, that's some gospel scripture right there for role playing. And so thank you again for calling in, James. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for those kind words, Tim. You know, I think you and Ivy and really, for the most part, the entire OSR Anchorite community always have encouraging things to say to each other. And I really appreciate that. It's it's not something you see in everyday community. Uh, in fact, I don't see it anywhere else in podcasting or really in blogging or social media in general. So thank you. Also, I really hope that everybody, especially my supporters, enjoy the new style of maps because I am having a blast with it. That was Mr. Frankie T. He was actually responding to a voice message that I left on his uh, podcast, Frank T's Liner's Notes, about his new style of mapping, which is, it's fantastic. I mean, he, it's so usable, guys. It's so fun. He puts a lot of time into it. He's got all these videos now where he's all, he's like gluing his stuff to cardboard and building walls around it. It's really cool. I don't have that much ambition. <laughs> and most of the time I'm playing um, online anyhow, so that wouldn't serve me. But his maps are wonderful, and they're on his uh, uh, Patreon. Go check them out. And Frank's super good guy and got some great kids that he plays games with and yeah this the anchorite community is definitely by far one of the most supportive friendly we're, we're kind of all in it together i mean i mean we're not massive which in a way kind of serves us uh we kind of in a way know each other i mean i i, I can't listen to everybody it just i just don't have enough time to to do that i I try, there's a few that I listen to pretty consistently, and then I try to catch on other folks every now and then when I have a little bit of extra time or if I have an extra long drive, I can listen to other people's like kind of longer podcasts because my listening habits basically center around, you know, around 10 to 12 minutes is about the length I can squeeze into a day, an episode, maybe two of them if I get lucky. But I try to do that. Um, then when I get home, sometimes I try to listen to one or two. Problem, my biggest problem is, is I wish I could listen to podcasts while I write. Because if I could do that, I could listen to more. But I can't because I start listening to you guys talk. And I, and I can't concentrate on my writing. So I have to continue to listen to music when I want to work. So, But when I draw maps and that, I've kind of started using... Anchor podcast more is my go-to instead of uh, um, music or whatever. So, but again, thank you, Frank, for calling in. Um, the pleasure is mine, and uh, I will give you a shout out for as long as I know you, and and as long as you're doing it, my man, because you do wonderful stuff. Hey, Tim, it's Rob from Down in a Heap. Thanks for. The shout out and uh, words of encouragement here on your podcast. It was hilarious listening to you talking about uh, being out sipping some iced tea or whatever while Ivy's back doing some home cleaning projects and stuff. I picture her cleaning out the oven and meanwhile you're driving around and listening to some Iron Maiden. 
Tim's running free. Tim's running free. Uh, I, sh- I sure hope the adventuring roundtable thing gets off the ground, whether I'm not on it or not. I think it would be really cool to hear you and others uh, talk about various game topics in a roundtable. Um, and I think it would be cool, too, if you could ever hook uh, Rob Connolly up uh, to hear you guys kind of reminisce about things and and past uh, your, your gaming history and stuff. So, see ya. Yeah, I'm going to Jackson. I'm going to mess around. I forgot a couple things. Hey, where, where can we find your fiction? Is there some website it's on or something? Or could you have a link or something where we could check out some of the stuff you wrote and uh i'm taking you and ivy and other people's advice and just ignoring the numbers and stuff and doing what i do and ending the stupid competition with myself to try and uh, increase my numbers and all that crap um and i i got some something here let me dig around my uh glove box uh Whew, man, how long has this sandwich been here? Oh, rock cups! That was that was Rob C. He had a lot to say in those ones. All right, let's let's see the. I can't even remember the first things he talked about. All my writing, my old fiction. There is nowhere to find it because this is back before the internet kind of hosted all this shit. It was more of a it was more of a zine thing. Small press guys who were putting out like horror zines or. Um, what do you want to call it? digest size type books? And there was no electronic version of it at the time. Uh, and uh, any copies I've had that stuff were actually burned in a fire. I lived in this apartment uh, when I was just about to graduate college. It was my last semester of college. And uh, my uh, girlfriend at the time all of a sudden said she wanted to move into a new place. And I'm just sort of like, I got one more semester. Can we hold on to that? No, we couldn't. So we moved into this place, and um, the uh, um, place caught fire. And it caught fire. The one wall that caught fire was the one that was where my desk was. <laughs> of all the places, of all the places where it was at, was where my desk is. Some little kid set a fire. He was playing around with matches or something, and he caught the house on fire. And the one wall that burned up, was the wall where my desk and I had one of these old uh, uh, what was it called? It was a brother writing processor. It was like this big box that had this tiny ass screen. It was a black screen with like gold lettering. So when you typed on it, and it was one of the ones where, that took like the the hard flat disks, and you could save like I don't know 15 pages on it, 15 pages of text before it filled up. So I had like all my writing, my all my writing disks and my my my. Uh, brother word processor writing process or whatever it was called were all damaged and it were were ruined and then i all the the paper copies were in a filing cabinet and they all got ruined not only by that but by of course the water and you know when they put out the fire so yeah so it was uh so no there's no remnants left of my old writing i mean i have a few pieces here and there but nothing i would be sharing with anyone that's for sure uh let's see what else did he talk about oh the round table part i am going to figure out a way to do the round table even if it's just mono on mono you know if even it's just one person uh it's easier to schedule because like when i threw it out there for three of us it's just 
it's just too much of a task for me to, I don't have a lot of time to put into it. I, you know, so what I want to do is just, it's easier for me to just get hooked up with one guy. If we can get two folks. That's great. If we can manage to work out those details, that'd be good, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to try to do it one-on-one. And if you want Rob in there, okay. Rob Conley, he, I've known Rob forever. He talks a lot. <laughs> so if I get him on a podcast, Rob will go on and on and on, and it'll be a 19-hour podcast. Uh, but no, I, I definitely will get Rob on there. I joke, but I don't joke, because people who know Rob and people who have ever been on Tinker's Tavern when he's been in there, that boy's mouth runs and runs and runs. Yeah, so, uh, but he's he's he, he knows his shit. I mean, he, Rob is one of the probably uh, historically and... It just knows knows what's going on with gaming, where it's been, and how it's been, and that. And yeah, it was kind of funny, Rob, when I was driving around. And I love the sink <laughs> running free. No rock grubs on your sandwich, man. Well, that was the final pairing of voicemails that I got. I think I got through all of them. So, and uh, I'm probably gonna head inside now. I'm in my driveway. Ivy's looking at me. She's cleaning up the dog shit in the backyard. Like you needed to know that. But uh, I'm going to head inside and uh, continue this with last night's pot or with last night's uh, gaming session. All right. So yesterday was my first day back to work. It sucked shit. I hated going back. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Joe had had a rough day. So like I said yesterday, thank God it was gaming night, and this is why it's good to have game. I'm in the I'm in my office, by the way. You can hear Ivy preparing supper in the background, tinging bowls and slamming spoons, and, and she'll probably yell at me here in a few minutes to tell me to come to supper. So, but it was a it was a fun night last night. The roster was of course uh, Joe playing the dwarf Kojak. We had Matt Jackson playing Fundar, the Holy Hobbit. We had Eric Tenkar playing Rathgar, Rathgar, a not-so-holy priest. And our newbie of the group was Shane Ward playing Scrod, who turned into Scrode. Unfortunately, I gave him that nickname last night when I kept mispronouncing his name, who is a human fighter that is on the lamb. So I called it season two because season one was mainly sessions where I was kind of introducing the Comor Force, getting them used to what was who the, the the cast of characters and and the various groups and just kind of almost like a, a surface view of the area. In season two now, we're they're learning more about the intricacies, the factions, the the points of interest, so to speak. They're getting that next layer of the campaign. Uh, last night, they learned of possibly three factions. They they learned that Ivanov, while he settled the place on his own and got the permission from the king and all that stuff to be free of nobility there's always people who want it. So you have the Ivanov faction who wants, who wants Hound's Head in its immediate territories to stay independent. 
And then you have Baron Mowbray, who is the closest noble, who now wants a piece of the action. Because at first he didn't want to invest in it because he thought it was just going to be a money pit and that it wasn't going to be worthwhile. And if someone wants to be foolish enough and try to settle it, go be it. So be it. And unfortunately for him, he, he was wrong. And it's turned out to be somewhat of a cash cow for... Uh, those up there there's a lot of resources a lot of adventures coming out of the forest with pots and pots and bags of gold and they're spending it in you know the various services in houndshead which is slowly growing at this point so you know probably become a boom town kind of deal so now he wants a piece of it and he's kind of sending his feelers up there and trying to make his moves to become more influential in the area and then uh, Eric's uh, belongs to the Temple of Sarath. Sarath is the god of dis war and discipline. And uh, they see the potential of the area too. And if they can establish a state of Sarath free of any political influence, then they can do as they see fit without interference and without the input of heathens, so to speak. Uh, Eric was tasked with checking out the certain points on the map where uh, the Inquisitor wanted him to check out. And then once Eric was looking at the map for a while, he noticed that these were very strategic points and could definitely be used as a staging area for an assault or siege or whatever you want to call it. And before that, Matt and uh, Joe had found a squished pair of folks with a buried signet ring of a noble, I can't remember his name here, let me look on my notes, uh, Sir Santor, who is one of Baron Aubrey's men and uh, I'm just wondering why he was doing what he was doing and the, they kind of gathered some information that maybe he was Sir Santor was going around the settlement of Houndshead to get to the north where all the miners are at in the miners guild and try to gain some influence with them so when it came time to have Ma Baron Mowbray make his move that they would have some allies on, you know, already established in Houndshead. But uh, Matt and Joe gave up the search for the night or thought he was squished in there. But they do have a sign signet ring and, and uh, are the caretakers of it for the time being. So I've introduced that pretty quickly. And then Eric had a friend from the Thieves Guild. Yes, he's that kind of priest. Uh, his name was, I forgot what it was now. Um, it's also on my notes. Uh, let's see, who was it? I don't remember. Not important at this time. But ask him to go investigate this potter who had some cargo on it that he was basically smuggling through as it is a 
he he's part of a, the guild or the uh, merchants guild. So this contact wanted them to deal with the with this merchant without killing him because killing him would only bring more attention to it. He just wanted the the illegal merchandise that was on the cart because if they only stole that, didn't break anything, didn't take anything else, the the merchant could not go back to the mage guild or the merchant's guild and say that he was robbed because the thing that he would claim that was stolen is not on the manifest. And it wouldn't help him to do that anyways because they're dealing. They also wanted to find out where he got it and who he got it from. And to be on, go on in disguise. Now this gets better, guys. Be patient. I'm, I'm apologizing. It's taken me a while to get there. So he, this guy throws out disguise kits for everybody. Somewhere along the line, one of the players, I believe it's Joe, mentioned something about a bra. And I'm like, well, there's not really a bra. There's a cloak and some, you know, some makeup stuff to kind of hide yourself. And then they brought up, you know, dressing up like women in the bra again. So I just shut up. I was like, okay, let's see where this goes. So before they took off, all of them were now in full women's gear. They, Joe put his brassiere over his his playmail armor and stuffed his bra and, and they all got in dressed in women's wear and then the full-on monty python skit began it was fucking hilarious eric definitely starred in this one he he took he, he was doing his method acting with becoming a he couldn't even even when he was trying to talk as eric he kept up the woman's voice it was hilarious <laughs> It was fucking hilarious. So what they did is they basically assaulted the merchant by being women, these zealous women, and Eric being over exuberant and and praising and and I you know had him roll just a quick charisma roll just to see how the the uh, um, merchant would take it. He rolled really high, so the merchant was very enamored with Eric's character and let him. Oh, you can take a look at these goods and that. Da, da, da. Well, Matt was playing. You know, a little girl look like a child, except she's really strong. He's got a 15 strength. So he's trying to pretend like he's climbing up on the on the, the cart and trying to get into stuff. Well, the two guards, he kept very preoccupied because they're trying to keep this kid off the, the wares, and he's all squirmy and wormy and very strong. So it took both guards just to try to keep him at bay. And then Joe, for some reason, is hiding behind a hill. And then, then eventually comes out with his brassiere while Eric had eventually found the illegal cargo, threw it to Joe, who missed the the clay jug, and it shattered on the ground, and all these moonstones fell on the ground. So Joe started gathering up. The merchant tried to grab him, but then Matt squirmed free of the the, the guards. He jumped into the, the driver's seat of the cart and took off with the cart and started like, just riding around all crazy and took off. So the guards were chasing him. And uh, poor Shane is like, I'm not really sure what to do. I think the only combat maneuver that occurred during this whole session was uh, uh, Shane putting one of the guards in a headlock for a short period of time. So Eric kind of just like kept role-playing this woman getting in the merchant's way and doing that and, and just being loud and, and trying to buy stuff from him. And Joe's over there scooping all the stuff in his brassiere and then he runs away and the guards are running after Matt and the, and the poor merchant has no idea what happened. He's kind of overwhelmed with everything and eventually the guys get away. 
It was fantastic. We were laughing so hard last night. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say it was a full-on Monty Python skit. It it uh, it was one of the best heists in game that I've ever been a part of, whether it was a player or as a GM. Such a good time. Such a good time. Uh, and the cool thing about the whole session, uh, I had mentioned earlier in uh, in one of my comments to the voicemails where we didn't roll. There was no combat other than the headlock. Uh, no initiative was rolled. No damage. No to hit rolls. Very few rolls. Rolls were made. Uh, just a few ability checks, and that was it. I mean, there was nothing really else involved with it. And I'll bet you the players probably didn't even notice that. If you if you ask any of them, they would be uh, kind of surprised probably that uh, they they didn't roll that much. So so it was a fantastic time. Season. Season two, episode one, started off with a bang. So I'll have to, you know, kind of to keep the, keep up uh, with, with the momentum with that. So, uh, all right, that's it, guys. Uh, I think supper's ready. Uh, I'm going to go eat. I am whooped. Uh, thank you for listening. I know it's been a long podcast, but I appreciate your time. Hopefully it was uh, uh, amusing to you. So, all right, guys, we'll talk soon. Roll better than me.